Psalm 100, I'll read all five verses for you. The Word of God says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Let's pray. Lord, we just mentioned a lot of prayer requests we're going to bring to your attention further at the end of our service when we break up into our groups. But for now, we turn our attention to the Word of God, this wonderful psalm that teaches us so much about how to come to you and approach you. And I pray that you'd give us wisdom uh, over the next couple months as we learn how to come into your presence and pray and walk with you in a way that's truly life-changing for us and others around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So tonight I just want to give you a little introduction into a thought that we're going to be looking at the next couple months. Way back in January, when we had our vision night, one of the goals for the year was to learn a framework of how to walk with God. If I were to ask you, how do you walk with God? How do you spend time with God? We'd probably get a lot of different answers based on situation and schedules and, and different things. But there has to be some things in common. If you're going to spend time with God, if you're going to, I like the phrase, walk with God. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Imagine just going on a walk with God. You're talking, he's talking. Uh, you're getting that friendship, that fellowship, that encouragement. Imagine having a, a very close friend that you can talk to about what's on your heart. You feel lighter after talking to that person about it. and They encourage you and give you strength and, and uh, believe in you and all of these things. and uh, We have that opportunity with God every day. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that God came down in the garden in the cool of the day and he walked with Adam and Eve. He spent time with Adam and Eve. Uh, and we get that opportunity through prayer and Bible reading most Christians, though, and, and I'm talking to the cream of the crop tonight, your Wednesday night uh, Christians, and so uh, that puts you in the, the top 1% of American Christians who are willing to go to church on a, on a Wednesday night and learn the Bible and, and pray, so well done. Uh, the average Christian spends about three minutes a day praying. Think about that. Are we going to change the world praying for three minutes a day? Furthermore, the average Christian doesn't really know how. They don't have a framework to pray. They pray for whatever's on their heart. And oftentimes, their prayers revolve around what they want and what they need. But there's nothing wrong with that. 
We're going to show you that you should be praying for yourself and your family and your needs. It's perfectly appropriate. But there's a second level of prayer called intercessory prayer where we take the needs of others, the needs of our community, the needs of the lost, the needs of the world to God. Uh, for example, praying for these people on our list, that's intercessory prayer. We're going to God on behalf of someone else for their needs. And imagine a world where you're getting your needs cared for and you feel the spiritual strength to now really care about and spend a lot of time helping others in real life and, and especially in the prayer closet. And so if you're praying 15 minutes a day, you're probably going to need all that for you or your family. But the more you add to your prayer time, the more your prayers are going to be towards the needs of others, the more they're going to be an intercessory nature. Uh, and I believe people often say, well, do you think quality or quantity when it comes to Bible reading? And I always say, well, not both. Why not have as much quality time as we can? And is it quality or quantity when it comes to prayer? Why not both? Why not have as much quality time with God as we can? And I believe the Bible gives us uh, several places where it give it gives us a checklist. This is how you come to God. This is what you talk about. This is how prayer works. And what we're going to do in this framework, and by the end of the, the year, Lord willing, you're going to get some pages where you can sit down and have a little framework of how to pray and how to talk to God, uh, how what to pray about, what to pray for. When's the last time you prayed and you really felt like, wow, I was with God? I mean, I, mean, I, was, I was with God. And you, you say amen, and it's not just, uh, it's not just a, a, a prayer by faith, but it's like something just happened. You're lighter. You feel lighter. You feel like that uh, things are going to be different in this area or that area. You've laid down some anxiety. You've received, received some joy. Your faith is stronger. You feel closer to God whenever you stop praying than when you started. These are things that are all possible. And I often say, and it's, it's so important that, that people understand this, Christianity without a, a true relationship with Christ just boils down to a list of do's and don'ts. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, Christianity is just a list of do's and don'ts? Well, they're telling on themselves. What they're saying is, I don't walk with God. I don't have a daily, vibrant, even weekly relationship with God. Because the message of Christ is hard to swallow if you're proud, if you're full of yourself. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, that sounds like a bad deal. When the world says, eat, drink, and be merry. But notice what makes all that worth it is the follow me part. Because you're with him. It doesn't matter what you're doing or what you're not doing. You're with Him. It doesn't matter where you are or where you're going. You're with Him. 
And Christ is what makes it all worth it. The person of Christ, the presence of Christ, the power of Christ. If you, if you take Christianity and remove your personal relationship with Christ, it becomes an empty husk of religiosity. And a lot of people are going to say, I don't need that. So if we're going to serve God for a lifetime, it's our relationship with Christ that's going to matter. It's our ability to pray and know that he hears us. First John chapter 5 talks about the confidence that we have in prayer. To realize that the, the creator, the God of heaven, cares about your needs. He cares about what's on your heart. If it's important to you, it's important to him. To know that he remembers your but dust. To know when you're overwhelmed and life gets heavy, you can enter into his yoke because his burden uh, is easy and light compared to the world. To remember that our most difficult days on this earth are nothing but a light affliction, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, compared to what we have to come. It's our walk with God, our relationship with Christ that's going to sustain us as the outward man perishes, their inward man is renewed day by day. How does that renewing happen? It happens in the very presence of God. And so Psalm chapter 1 tells you what to do when you want to go into the presence of God. It gives you a list of five things to take with you when you're coming into God's presence. And I just want to show you these things. I'm, I'm trying to, because I could spend a whole year on this, on this concept. I'm trying with the Lord's help, and you can pray for wisdom, to give you the information necessary in a format that makes sense that will help you pray. And I've, I've been working on this format for probably 10 years. And I've never really put it down on paper as thoroughly as we're going to. But my prayer is that it would be uh, an ultimate help for our church and perhaps others. So Psalm chapter 100, look at verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So we know that God likes a joyful noise. God likes praise, doesn't he? Uh, Psalm 22 says God inhabits the praises of Israel. Uh, do you like to be around people that criticize you? Probably not. It's nice every once in a while when somebody says something nice about you. I wonder where you got that from. The Bible says we're made in the image of God. God. God likes it when people notices how awesome he is. Now you and I, there's an end to our awesomeness, right? The list may be short at times. But for God, there's a never-ending list of his awesomeness. He truly is worthy of all of the praise and adoration that we can bestow upon him. And he loves it when we notice that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. There's going to come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians chapter 2 tells us. In the millennial kingdom, Christ will rule from Jerusalem and all nations will be under his feet. Verse 2, serve the Lord with grumpiness. Oh, that's not what it says. You know, it's important that we don't become like 
the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 where we serve but we lose our love. It's important that we serve the Lord with gladness. It's a privilege to be able to come to church. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that after a long day. It's going to next. After next Sunday, it's going to get dark at 4.45. When I realize sunset will be at 4.45. When I realized that this week, my heart kind of dropped a little bit. Uh, and But you know what? It's still good to go to church on a Wednesday night. You work all day. You want to get in your pajamas at like 4.30. It's, but it's still good to go to church. It's still a blessing to be able to usher and work the nursery, and, and all of these things. There was a day when none of us were qualified to do any of those things. It's good to remember it's a privilege to serve the Lord, and we get to serve the Lord with gladness. But notice the next phrase. Come before His presence. So the Bible's literally telling us you want to get close to God, you want to come before God's presence, I'm going to show you how to do it in the next verses. So the first thing that we need to come into God's presence, come before His presence with what? With singing. God loves the right kind of singing. We start our services with singing. You know why? God likes it. And we ought to like it. The world has their kind of music, and God's music should be different from the world. And, and you know how we feel about this. It is, it is ridiculous to take the world's music and just put Christian words to it and pretend like that, that now it's, it's holy. That's ridiculous. Their music itself has a morality. The way that the, the notes and the timing, the rhythms, the melodies, the harmonies, the way all those are arranged, it's almost like a, a code that affects humans on every level body soul and spirit that's why music is so powerful music can make your body want to move without you even thinking about it music can make you cry music can make you emotional music can make you happy music can make you feel like charging the world there's nothing in the world like music and satan has effectively weaponized music that was originally intended to praise god and use it to pull people away from god well, that same music that actually pulls people away from God and encourages them to sin, when it's done properly, it actually pulls people to God. It's got that magnetism effect where it draws our body, soul, and spirit into the very presence of God. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes when we need to hear a few songs, sometimes you ever start with church and you're feeling a little uh, kind of just worn out. But man, after about halfway through the service, if you're singing, I see it up here all the time. People will start singing. All hail the power of Jesus. Name, let angels soft and fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and And then you know what? That's right. And if you keep singing, though, and you let that get in you, after a while, they're right here. I mean, they're plugged in. That's why I encourage you, sing the songs when you don't feel like singing. If you don't partake in the song service, you're the same way after the song service as you were before. 
But if you partake of the song service, it actually changes you. It can pull you up and lift you up out of yourself and put your attention on God. Then, wow, imagine if you're thinking about the words while you're singing the songs. It's got that magnetizing effect to pull you towards God. That's why it's important to have good music in your home. Uh, start your morning off with music. When the kids get up and put on some, some good Christian music, upbeat music, and get the, get the house moving. Uh, at night, turn on some uh, slower type music, some, some more meditative type hymns and such. And you'll be amazed at how it kind of calms the house down. It kind of gets everybody ready for sleep. The worst thing you could do is turn on the news up right before you go to bed. Oh, let me just see what's happening on the news. Breaking news, you're going to die. And now you're like, ah, now I'm supposed to go to bed. Or you're watching some show where 13 people get gunned down and there's a detective trying to figure it all out. That'll put you right to sleep, you know. Put on some nice music and let that set the mood. Music is a mood setter. They do that. And I'm sure you all know this. Every restaurant does it. Every place of business does it. Uh, matter of fact, some of their tricks are if you go into a buffet and all you can eat buffet, oftentimes the music's up tempo because they want you to hurry up and eat and leave. If you go into an expensive restaurant where the more you eat and drink, the more money they make, they'll slow the music down to get you to settle in. You go into the gym and they're not playing Ava Maria, you know, over the over the loudspeakers. It's it's music to get people moving. And so the world knows this, but they don't they never put it in context of spirituality. And I'm telling you, one of the best things you could do is when you go to come before God, come with singing in the framework we're going to give you. One of the things you do is you take a minute or two and just sing a little hymn or a chorus to God. Just you and God. Just sing him a little something. You know why? He likes that. And it helps you I think every person ought to have a Bible and a hymnal at your house. Read your hymnal. Sing the songs. It will help you. So if we're going to come to God's presence, we, we need singing. Come before his presence with singing. Then look at verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and, we, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So what does this speak of? This speaks of worship. So number one, we need singing. Number two, we need worship. Worship is thanking God for who he is. And isn't that what this verse says? You want to come into God's presence, you've got to know who he is. Remind yourself of who God is. And boy, if you're in prayer and you start reminding yourself of who God is and all of his attributes, that will cause you to, to worship when you think about, uh, about God's glory. There's multiple types of God's glory in the Bible. We see God's intrinsic glory. This is the glory that God has whether you notice it or not. You know, God is glorious even if nobody notices. God is still just as good as he's always been. He's still amazing and marvelous and powerful and omniscient as he's always been. Even if nobody notices, you can close your eyes and the sun still shines. That's the glory of God. So there's God's intrinsic glory, and then there's God's attributed glory. That's when we notice his glory, and we say that he's glorious. When we tell him he's glorious, 
That is worship. Worship isn't getting up here with a, a, a band and rocking out and, and jumping around and singing songs and, and all that kind of stuff. Worship is understanding who God is and you humble yourself in the very presence of God. Oftentimes in the Bible when people worship, they're on their knees or their face. Why? It's a humbling of self and an exaltation of God. That is worship. We see what's needed next. We saw number one, singing. Number two, worship. Number three, thanksgiving. Look at verse four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. What's a gate? It is a gate. <laughs> so imagine if you had a fence around your home. You have to walk through the gate to get onto your property. God says, if you want to come into my presence, start singing, and you're heading the right direction. And then you notice who I am, remember who I am, and you worship me, and now you're right at the edge of my property. And if you want to come into my property, now you give thanks. What's thanksgiving? Now we're thanking God for what he does. So worship is thanking God for who he is. Thanksgiving is thanking God for, for what he does. Lord, you created me. I've got good health. I've got a roof over my head and clothes on my back and food in the cupboards. And I've got a family. I've got eyes that see and ears that hear and hands that work and legs that can walk. I've got a job. I've got all of these things that God has done for you. Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow of turning, John chapter 1 tells us. And, and so we can praise God for literally anything good in your life. You can draw a direct line back to the God of heaven who gave it to you. That's thanksgiving. So now we open the gates, and now what happens? And enter into his courts with praise. The courts would be like the front lawn. And praise is just that continual thanking God for everything, praising God for, for all he does and all he is. Praise is noticing the goodness of God in your life. I'm noticing things, and I am giving God the praise for it. It says, under that same thought, uh, be thankful unto him. Notice thanksgiving and thankful are in the same verse here. Why two different words? Thanksgiving speaks about the act of giving thanks. You don't have to be thankful to give thanks. You can be miserable and give thanks. Giving thanks is simply saying thank you. Thank you for blank. What's being thankful? Being thankful is a state of being. It is now I am full of thanks that my thanksgiving is coming from a place of overflow. You can be miserable and ungrateful and commit the act of giving thanks. And by the way, that's how you get thankful. You want to know how you get thankful? You give thanks. And you give thanks and you give thanks and you give thanks and you give thanks until all of a sudden you're now full of thanks and it's overflowing. So we see what do we need? We see number one, singing. Number two, worship. Number three, thanksgiving. Number four, praise. And then number five, we see, and bless his holy name. And bless his holy name. This, the, the word bless here speaks of magnifying God for his benefits. 
magnifying God for his benefits. So notice we haven't asked God anything yet. We haven't asked him for anything. Here's how we usually pray. Lord, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. You know, it's just like we just turn on the wanter. Lord, thanks for now. Give me what I want. And when you see Bible prayer, there is a time for that, by the way, where you can go to God for what you want. Matter of fact, if you get in the habit of starting your day with God and walking with God in the morning, you actually have already talked to him that day. And now you can just keep the conversation going all day long. What is terrible is when you get to a moment when you really need God or somebody you love needs God and you realize you haven't talked to him in a while. That's why people will come to you or me and say, can you pray for, can you pray for, and sometimes it's because they don't have confidence in their own prayers. Sometimes if they do, they just want to get other people praying, and that's perfectly normal. But sometimes it's I don't have confidence in my prayers, but I have confidence in your prayers, so I want you to pray about this. And that's okay, too. We're happy to do that. But why not get confident in your own prayers by walking with God, entering his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. So notice, before we ever ask anything, we're singing, we're worshiping, we're giving thanks, we're praising, we're blessing. Now, why do we do that? Because look at verse 5. For the Lord is what? Oh, he's good. He's absolutely good. For the Lord is good, and good is not what he does, it's what he is. The Lord is the definition of good. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. So why do we come into God's presence? Why do we sing, worship, give thanks, praise, blessing? Why do we do that? Because we can rely on the fact that God is good, He's merciful, He's right, and the inference is He cares about what we need. And then let me show you one last verse, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 to tie it all up. I believe the last verse there is pointing us to... Hebrews chapter 4, and look at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Notice now we're coming into the presence of God. Jesus Christ is what gives us access into the presence of God. The, the blood of Christ is what uh, gives us access to his throne of grace. But now we're coming into the presence of God. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And aren't you glad we have a God that cares? Look, I don't know what you're going through today, but you have a God that cares. I don't know what burdens are on your heart. How, you know, God only may know how tired you are, how, how you don't feel good. Uh, people watching online, how you wish you could be at church. You wish so many things. Your circumstances are outside of your control. People here tonight, you have burdens and and things that are heavy on your heart. You have more to do than you can do. You have more bills than you have money. You have all of these needs and cares and trying to raise kids and worried about your, your adult kids and your grandkids and and uh, the, the craziness in the world and uh, young people worried about the future and the list goes on and on and on. But if we could just learn to pray, if we could just learn to come into the presence of God, That's where we find that renewing. That's where we the inner man is renewed day by day. We can find grace to help in time of need. If you're getting overwhelmed and, and overwrought, and sometimes we do, then it's time to get into his presence. And what I've really found out about prayer is if you're praying and you're you're not sure you're in God's presence, and this isn't going to be every single time. You know, we pray a lot. We pray throughout the day sometimes, especially people that have never experienced this. You, when you're praying and you're not sure God's listening, prayer is a chore. But if I could tell you, if you would ever get into the presence of God and you know you're there and you know He's there, and you know you have his ear. You don't want to stop praying. <laughs> it's like, Lord, I got to go to work, but just a few more minutes. It's it's not like, oh, I got to pray. Oh, I got to. You know, it's a sad fact that, that for generations, the prayer meetings of the church are the least attended. You know what are the most attended? The fun activities. Now we'll do the fun activities. But what do you think has more eternal benefit? A fun activity or a prayer meeting? Prayer meeting. Then why is it that most of God's people will go out of their way to come to the fun things? But even some pretty committed people won't make time to go to the most important things. And this tells you we have a fundamental misunderstanding of what prayer is and how important it is. It shows you the spiritual nature of prayer. Your flesh hates to pray. You'll, you'll bend down to pray and you'll think of everything that you should have done today. The phone will ring. Kids will start crying. Something will come up. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. The devil doesn't want you to pray. The world doesn't want you to pray. This is an intensely spiritual thing. But it's also true that what one man said, the devil trembles when the weakest saint is on his knees. Because when you're praying, it's not about you at all. It's about him. And so, would you pray about this with me? Pray, Lord, give me, me uh, wisdom to know exactly how to present the information.
and then you just get a little preview of of what's going on. I'm, of one thing we're going to be discussing through the end of the year. My prayer is to get you this framework by the end of the year, and we can start off next year with uh, a prayer journal, and we can see what God would do if we all just really focus on walking with God. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that you've given us in your word. 